This is for a boy between 9 and 11. I'm in a place called Katakosh, just outside of Mosul. This is a, a church that was completely destroyed uh, by ISIS. As we were coming through, one of our team uh, discovered one of the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. I don't know who gave it, who sent it, but uh, it touched the life of a child at one point. And of course, we ask people when they pack a box to always pray. You never know where that box will go. Where are the lost? Where are the hardest to get to people groups? Where has the gospel of Jesus not been preached and proclaimed? In Acts 13, 47, for so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We live in a broken world, an evil world. Yet Jesus gave us orders. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a job to do. When we talk about going to the ends of the earth, we're talking about shoebox gifts that are taking the gospel to the hardest to reach areas of the world. If you want to bring hope to a broken society, it's the gospel. And Operation Christmas Child is not about passing out toys, it's about the gospel. Each kid, when they receive that box, they're gonna hear the presentation of the gospel clearly. They make a decision for Christ, and then they're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. We're in the South Pacific. I want to reach these islands for Christ. These are poor areas. People don't have any hope. People don't come here. There's no tourists here, but we're going to be here. I'm right outside of Mazlan, Mexico, about six-hour drive up in the mountains with Operation Christmas Child. This is where people that are brave are taking Operation Christmas Child to the ends of the earth. We need boxes that are packed by families, by churches and groups, but we also need boxes that are packed online. When you build a shoebox online, these are the boxes that give us access into hard to reach places of the world. We go at great lengths, great effort, to take these boxes to children in the most remote parts of the world. It's an incredible journey. You know, the mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are coming to faith. Children are being discipled and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Good evening, Only Believe Ministries. <laughs> I'd like to welcome the live streamers. Thank you for joining us online. If you could like and share, we'd greatly appreciate that. Um, first time guests, if you're a first time guest, in the front of the pew is a card. If you fill that out and you take it out to the Welcome Center, We'd like to connect with you, answer any questions that you have about the service. I only have a couple announcements tonight. The first one is that if you're not part of a dream team, we want to use your gifts. Only God gives you your gift, and we want to use that in the body of Christ to help the body of Christ. So if you're not in a dream team, we have information out there. Please sign up to be on a dream team. And that leads into the expected mothers have a dream team. So if you know someone that is expecting, 
or you are expecting, if you turn their name in at the Welcome Center or to Colleen Sadler, they provide like a little basket, they do meals, they try to just welcome the new family and the mother. So if you know someone that um, is expecting, please have them sign up or sign up, sign them up for them. Um, I wanna talk about tonight, so I thought about, I, I really wanted to encourage people and this happened to me recently. So I turned 50 in August. So my big thing was I wanted to go to, uh, I wanted to climb a mountain. So we were climbing a mountain. It was about four miles up and me and my husband were having a good time. It's funny, but it is August, so it's hot. So I have a backpack on. I have about four waters in the backpack. We're joking around, we're having a good time. About like three and a half miles, I'm like, okay, I'm not talking anymore, I'm getting a little tired, my knees are hurting. And we are about, you can't see the top of the mountain, so we're in a really deep woods and it kind of goes up and you can't see where the end is. And so these people start walking down, it's a national park, they're starting to walk down and I just say when they're on their way down, hey, um, are we close to the, the top you know because I'm about done and and the guy's like oh you got about a hundred and fifty two hundred feet you're almost there and in that moment that he said that the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart he's like Kathy when you are close to the end and you are not seeing the victory you give up and I want to encourage you today if you're praying for healing if you're praying for family relationships, whatever you're pray, praying for, you don't know if you're this close to the end. Maybe you're 200 feet to the end. And I would have felt really stupid if I would have went all the way down that, that mountain, didn't get all the way to the top and had sore knees and a bad shin splints. At least it was worth it. I, I was able to climb to the top of the mountain. So I want to encourage you today. Matthew 24, 13 says, endure to the end. Your salvation is near. If you endure, God, just like when Mary came up here on Sunday when she had a word of prophecy, it's sozo. It's the completeness. Your salvation is not just being saved from hell. Your salvation is being a completeness of health and prosperity and wellness. So I want to encourage you today. So let's just pray. Father, we just invite you into the service. We ask you to take control of the service right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that when we worship, Lord, that you will open up the floodgates of heaven to us, that we will be a sweet-smelling savor unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was buried beneath my shame.
grave at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, but you called me a citizen of And I ran out of that grave 
Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a hand before we get started here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, if you can uh, put on the screen or you turn to your Bibles, uh, John 4, 28 and 29. Uh, we're going to get started there. I'll kind of give you a little bit of the story. Jesus was in uh, Judea uh, and was uh, going to go to Galilee, but he said, I must or I have to go to Samaria. So he went there to a well, and actually this was my favorite, used to be my favorite scripture. He said, woman, give me something to drink. I love that scripture. And uh, one day I was actually meditating on that scripture because that was my favorite, used to be my favorite. And my wife walked by and she said, don't you even think about it. My gosh, that's all I was doing was thinking about it. So. My favorite scripture now is, uh, husbands submit to your wives, something like that. That's somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> so here's Jesus in uh, verse 28 and 29. It says, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and says to the man, come see a man which told me all things whichever I did, is not this the Christ? You know, this lady went and preached Jesus, but, it, you know, it was interesting. It says that she left her water pot. Now, think about that. She was there to get water. Water is a necessity in life, probably more than food, or at least just as equal. But she got so turned on about Jesus and who he was, and she placed her relationship above the necessities of life and left the water pot, went into the city, and preach Jesus. Amen? So that I guess that shoots the uh, argument about do women preach? Well, yes. But she was what I like to call sold out. And you know, tithing and giving is really a heart condition. It, it's, not, it's not a money condition. That lady, I would bet, I would wager that she didn't have a, a struggle or a challenge tithing or giving because she was sold out. She had given everything to Jesus. She was so turned on to him, she forgot about everything else and went and preached Jesus. So I, 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 I think, let's go to turn to Acts 5.3. <clears throat> so tithing and giving, again, is a heart condition. And we need to guard our heart, as we'll see here in a few minutes. Amen. Hallelujah. Acts 5, 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? See, somewhere these people, these believers became a little hard-heartened. They had digressed. They had become lukewarm. Their heart wasn't where it used to be. And what that led to was them lying and not giving what they said they would do. But it was a heart condition first. Amen? Every day of our lives, we get to choose when we get up. We get to decide whether we're going to be spiritually minded or carnally minded. Now, carnally minded means we walk by sight. We walk in fear. We depend upon ourselves. But to be spiritually minded 
we walk by faith and not by sight. We depend upon and place our faith in God and His promises. And we want to be like Jesus and we want to be obedient to His laws. And that will bring life to us. The other will bring death. If we could get 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It's the last scripture. It says, Every man according as he is purposed in his heart. See, it's a heart condition. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. You know, God doesn't need our money. We all know that. But he's looking for hearts. Because if he has our heart, if he has your heart, has my heart, then tithing and giving is not a challenge. It's not a struggle. It, we want to be like him. Amen. So in these end days that we, I believe that we're in, it is imperative that we guard our heart. We, that it's imperative that we don't become lukewarm in anything in our life. But the number one thing is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. We have to keep the embers burning. We have to keep our lives uh, in tune with His, our heart with His. And we will automatically be tithers and givers when we do that. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you could bring the buckets up. I'm going to pray over your tithing and giving. But as believers, it's, it's important that we wake up every day and choose to be spiritually minded. Choose to want to be like Jesus. Choose to want to obey his commandments, his, his laws. And, and remember, everything that he tells us to do or not to do is because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. Amen? We can never forget that. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we just thank you, God, for tithers and givers today, God. We just ask, God, that, uh, Lord, we keep our heart right with you. And, Lord, I ask that you bless every tither, every giver, God. Bring a harvest, God, into their life, Lord. Lord, let your promises be fulfilled in their lives in the area of tithing and giving. Now, Father, I just thank you for it, and I thank you for your blessing upon them, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen.
Is everybody here? I'm here. Hallelujah. Praise God. I have a uh, Carl Brandberry. How many of you knew Carl? Carl traveled all over the world with me as a camera operator, uh, you know, and he, he was just a great guy. And uh, he passed away Sunday, October the 9th. Uh, he loved people. He loved to tell about Jesus. I mean, he had, he had a food program in Bible college feeding the students in the Bible college when they couldn't fend for themselves. Uh, he just shared Jesus with everybody. He was just a great guy. And uh, he was a great servant of the kingdom of God. And uh, just, he was fighting a fight and he just, told his wife, said, you know what? I think I'm just going to go home. And uh, so he went home. He was an encourager. I went up to visit him just, oh, about a week or so ago. And all he did was encourage me. I said, we come to encourage you. He said, well, you need encourage, Pastor. <laughs> He's just that, was that way. Now, the services are going to be October the 15th, which is a Saturday, this coming Saturday, and visitation will be for the family and friends from 10 a.m. to noon with the funeral services at 12 o'clock located at Kirkpatrick, Ben, ben what is it, Benkey ben Funeral Home, 500 Lima Avenue in Finley. You would think that was Lyme, Ohio, but it's not. It's in Finley. Uh, so please, uh, you have time, go and, you know, celebrate his homecoming. Praise God. All righty, let's turn our Bibles to Psalms. No, I'm sorry, Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6. Abraham was the first man that ever had a personal teaching from God about the language of faith. Now, Abraham had a connection with God. He was a friend of God. And uh, God taught him how to speak things that were as though they were not. And so tonight I'm going to talk to you about some of the things about the language of faith. But when I talk to you about the language of faith, I'm going to specifically tonight direct it towards praise. Now, there are several languages of faith. There is a language of proclamation. There is the language of authority where we speak to mountains. And then there is the uh, language of confession. And then there is the language of praise, which is the voice of faith. And in Philippians 4, 6, let me get over here to it. Philippians, the fourth chapter and verse 6, Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, he writes and tells them in the fourth chapter and verse 
6. He said, be careful. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. We certainly live in a world that is filled with people that can worry. Amen. There seems to be no lack of worry wherever you turn. But Paul says this, don't be anxious. Don't be worrisome about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Notice that we as believers are to present everything to the Father. So there's nothing in our life that God does not want to be involved in. And the key and the answer to it all is that we include God in our struggles. Even in the battles of our mind, the battles of worry, the battles of fear, the battles of anxiety, ups and downs, to and fro. And so here Paul says, look, let me tell you how to handle life. He says, if you are being troubled, stop. Don't consider the evil or the failure or the broken end of any situation being a part of your life. And he said the way to handle that is to submit it to God in prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. And how many of you know that when that happens, then what we've done is we have drawn a line to fight the fight of faith. Now the enemy is going to come. Now we know that he's going to bombard our mind, trying to try to get it confused, going to try to create a battleground where reason seems more sensible to the believer than faith. And it's not more sensible. Faith is the only winning way to the believer. And so when this happens, Paul then says, with thanksgiving. Now why does God encourage us to be thankful after we have prayed? Because it is a consistent reiteration of a confidence of answered prayer. If you believe that God has heard you, what else would you do? Would you still complain? Would you still, still tell people how bad it is? Or would you have a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving no matter how dark the skies were getting. Well, if you believe, if you really believe that God has answered your prayer, then that confidence is what causes faith to be strong. And what we do is we give God thanksgiving, we give God praise. So that is a voice of what? It is a voice of our faith. Faith believes in something that it can't see based on God's word. Right? I have never seen a seven-headed beast. Well, I've seen my mother-in-law, but 
she didn't have seven heads. Uh, but what happens is we could see those things and that, that would be fine. But we believe without having seen, don't we? We believe without seeing. Paul said it this way, that when we believe, therefore we speak. We say something. Faith is never silent. Faith is always vocal, directed towards the faithfulness of God. And so when we commit these things to God, things that make us anxious, things that we worry about, things that we struggle with, things that we're wrestling with in our mind, when we commit them, then what happens is we begin to release a faith that verifies that we believe it is done. And that voice is a voice of thanksgiving and of praise. So really, we uh, declare something that is not as it already was, right? We believe that we received when we prayed. Well, when we do that, we really praise thanksgiving is a verbiage that declares that we believe that God gave us something without any evidence except what he said. Amen. All right. Let's go to 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. This is a pretty common passage of Scripture. It talks to us that we are to be sober. We are to be vigilant. And we are to make sure that we don't get lax or that we don't get subdued by something becoming common. And it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this, Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober. Anybody know what that word means? Don't be drunk. Don't lose your mind. Don't let your mind take you where you're not wanting to go. Don't let it bring in presumptuous images that you are not committed to living. You know, you've heard, well, you know, I've seen flying pigs or pink pigs or whatever. I've seen some dumb things when I was in my early days. But I realized that they were crazy. You know, even today, man, I, I, I dream crazy stuff. I actually went to sleep last night in a deer stand. I could kick myself because I didn't have a, a harness on, and I could have fell right out of the front. But some way, I woke up. I looked over there, and there was a deer standing. And I thought, whoops, sorry about that. Is that real? Is that a real deer? I mean, I've seen figments of my imagination where trees look like deer, where bushes look like deer. And I sat there for an hour, not moving. 
And then the light changed, and I think, stupid, what is wrong with you? Well, last night I woke up, and lo, there was a deer. Well, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. It's too heartbreaking, praise God. And uh, anyway, when we get beside ourselves and our mind is captivated by other things, by other thoughts, then what happens, we lose the sensitivity and the truth of what we believe. So we are, we are to be sober and we are to be vigilant. In other words, we are to watch. Why are we to watch? Because the adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He's going around seeking whom he may devour. What is one of the things that keeps our focus on what we're doing? Our words. Our words. Where are you going to the grocery store? What are you getting? Mm, I don't know. I better go home again. Well, I think that we have to be sober. Don't let your mind be fed things that will cause your mind to wonder or to believe something that's not true. And you have to be watchful. And one of the things that helps us keep our faith focused uh, is the voice of thanksgiving or the voice of praise. And so the devil is going around, and if you really want to get rid of the devil, all you have to do is bring God's presence in, right? Well, the Bible says in Psalms 22, verse 3, God inhabits the praises of his people. So if you begin to keep a thankful spirit, you begin to keep a word of praise and glorification and make acclamations about God and what he's doing, you know what? When his presence comes, then you understand the devil doesn't want to be around it. How many of you ever heard James that, you know what? Your tongue sets hell on fire. In other words, it releases it and allows it to run crazy or rampant or uncontrollable. Now that seems like, oh, we don't want to do that. But how about, what do you think the tongue of the righteous would do when you begin to praise God in the middle of a faith walk? Do you believe that the all-consuming God would light upon you, would come into your presence, come into your affairs. God inhabits the praises of his people. He is a consuming fire. Well, I believe that our tongue ignites, the Bible says, that as we worship the Lord of glory, that the gates of our life will break forth and he shall come in. Well, we do that by praise, by thanksgiving. And remember that thanksgiving is just like Abraham did. He spoke things that were not as though they were. When you praise God, you make a proclamation about God based on a promise of God. Guess what? He's going to cause that which you don't see to become seen because of your faith. Amen. 
I'll tell you one thing that I have done over the years. I have developed a life of praise, of thanksgiving. Now, there's lots of times that I don't even pray about stuff. I just begin to thank God for it. I just begin to say, Father, I want to thank you that, you know, you've given me the desires of my heart. And I know, God, that, you know, as we have talked, that you have settled in my heart, my spirit. God, that you want me to have this or you want me to go this direction. God, I just want to thank you that I don't go alone, that you're going to go with me. When you go with me, I'm not going to have need of anything. I'm not, God, going to fear anything. I'm not going to be overcome by anything. God, the lion is not going to take me over. God, the asp will not get a chance to wound me or to harm me. God, you will make a way for me. And God, I just proclaim because of what you said in your word that if you fed the fowls of the air, God, I will always have a morsel of bread. I want to thank you, God, that you made a place for the bird to land and to dwell. I want to thank you, God, that you've made a place for me, that God will make me comfortable and protect me from the elements of this world. I want to thank you, God, that you provided grass to cover the earth. God, you are the provider of my clothing. You are provided of the things that I need in life. And God, I say this because I seek that your presence would be up on me. I want to thank you, Father. It's in you that I live and move and have my being. God, it is you that leads me beside the still waters. And God, you cause me to lie down in green pastures. God, no matter where I am, you restore my soul. God, even in the midst of my enemies, Father, there is a table prepared for me that, God, whatever the enemy throws at me, you have given me an answer. See, that right there is what? It is a language of faith. It is a language of faith. And so as we begin to praise God like that, that's an expression of our faith. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. And uh, so we want to make sure that we do things the way that God wants us to do them. And we want to make sure that we keep our faith vocal. You know, there's a reason that Jesus cast out devils with a loud voice. The devil loves silent Christianity. But you can drive him crazy by being loud. Yeah, being loud. And you know that celebrations are loud. Remember when Moses came down off of the uh, mount and uh, Israel had made themselves a golden calf and Moses comes down and he says, what is that? Is that a sound of war? No, 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 that's not war. I'm telling you, I've heard the cry of war. That's not war. That's a celebration. Well, you know what? We as Christians need to celebrate what God has done for us. And it has a sound. And we need to put 
energy, strength with our sound. I don't mean that you need to go to Walmart and, you know, start crying out as loud as you can, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't think you have to do that. But in my own home and in my own yard, you liable to see anything. Because I'm telling you, I'll lay in the grass and sing and cry and pray. I wonder what my neighbors think when they drive by. Oh, God, what's he doing now? Or I'm standing out in the yards with my hands lifted up just praising the Lord. Maybe they think I'm an antenna. I don't know. You know, I don't know what they think. But that is my land. That is my home. And so I get to express my faith there. And so your praise, your thanksgiving is a declaration of your faith. Remember Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter, pretty common passage of Scripture where Jehoshaphat was being uh, uh, attacked by three armies. And the multitude was simply bigger than Israel. But Jehoshaphat prayed and fasted. And when he prayed and fasted, the Spirit of God came upon a son of a Levi. Sons of the Levi were simply sons of the priest. And the priest had this connection that they would hear from God and that they would deliver it to the people. And he brought forth a prophetic word. Not, a, not just a prophecy, but a prophetic word. Prophecy is different in the New Testament where we edify, comfort, and exhort one another. But prophecy in the Old Covenant by a priest, by a prophet, or by a king had a different intention. It not only stated the will of God, but it stated the direction of God. Now today, lots of people try to be prophets, but honestly, we don't have to try to be prophets. If you're a prophet, you're a prophet. And if you're not, you're not a prophet to nobody. Just don't talk. Don't try to be something that you're not. Amen? And when a prophecy comes forth, it should not have in it a direction or an establishment of a call or anything like that. What it should do is it should bear confirmation what God said for you to do. Now, don't make it. But allow the voice of the prophet to confirm what God has spoken to you in private. Amen? And so we want to make sure that we don't try to be a prophet. I believe in the office of the prophet. And I believe that there are, are dimensions of the prophet just like there were dimensions of the priesthood. There were the Levites. They were the sons of the Levi. There was Aaron. And uh, so there were different stages of Levites, and there were different stages of prophets. There were national prophets, 
but then there were prophets that were in people's houses that were known to be prophets. And, uh, but they were limited in some way. The others were unlimited. Think of this, that everything is 20, 30, 40, 60, 80, 100. On any given day, any office could be in that percentage of what God had called them to do. So we grow into the office that God defines for us in our life. And so the 20% pastor is just as valuable as the 100%. The 80% is just as valuable as the 100%. The 10%, the 15%. Oh, there was a lady that came to me one time. She said, I, I just, uh, I'm thinking about coming to your church. And I said, okay, what for? She said, well, you know, my pastor's been there for like, you know, 40 or 50 years. And he's only got like 20 people. I said, wow. And uh, she just kept talking. You know, I, I, I just want some place that, you know, God's moving and, you know, God's with with the pastor and, I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you need to go home. She said, well, why? I said, because your pastor on any given day has more faith than I ever have. I said, if you think that I would stay in that city with 20 people in my church, you are absolutely crazy. I would not have that confidence in God I would not have that faithfulness to you guys. And if they're all like you, why do I want to come there? And I told her, go home, because you got a better pastor than I will ever be. She said, okay, I'm going to go home. I said, go home, stay there. And probably when you die, he'll be there to bury you. Tell your kids not to call me. Now, see, we sometimes think that the 20% is not as important as the 100%. But it is. Many of you might know Brother Shambach. Anybody know Brother Shambach? He was walking down the street one time, and a guy was on a, on a box on the corner. He said, and I was just walking down the road, and he said... That guy on that soapbox cried out, Hey, sinner! Brother Shambach said, Who knows me? Turned around, went back, and gave his life right there on his street corner to a man that was standing on a wooden box. What was his name? I don't know. I never heard Brother Shambach mention it. But Brother Shambach got saved. So we want to make sure that these 20, 30, 40, 60%, that they have a chance to flourish and to grow. But the 20% doesn't have the capacity of the 100%. But the 20% has its place in the body of Christ. Amen? But he's not 100%. So he may not be national. He may just be geographical 
we have a, a man, Tim Bagwell, that's a prophet of our church. But he's not a prophet to the nations. But he is a prophet to our church. So we have to make sure that we honor that type of stuff. So, but the point being is that when we start talking about these voices of faith, that we allow them to establish what our faith is believing for. So this son of Levi comes up and he has a prophetic word. He states what Jehoshaphat is supposed to do, tells Jehoshaphat what not to do, don't fight this fight, and tells him that the battle is no longer yours, but it's mine. And so Jehoshaphat expresses his faith towards God in praise. He appoints men and women as singers, and they go out before the Lord. And sure enough, that day as they start praising God, the enemies turn one upon another and start slaying each other, and they end up killing each other, and Jehoshaphat in Israel takes three days to pick up all of the spoil and carry it back to the city. See, that was a fight of faith. What did they do? They believed God. How did they express believing God? By praise. Folks, it will do us a million dollars worth of confession and strength confidence if we would spend time giving praise and glory to God. Just get in a room. Just get in a room and just thank God. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know where you can see a clear end, when you're, when, when you're under attack by the enemy, if you want to still the devil... Start lifting your voice in praise. It just drives him nuts. So the Bible says in Psalms 8-2, and I think it's in Psalms, I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew 23, that God hath ordained strength out of the mouth of babes. And that when men and women, us, the family of God begin to Give God praise. That God's presence comes and it says that it stills the avenger. In other words, God gets involved. And the avenger becomes stilled. In other words, he becomes powerless. Just by praise. Just by praise. Spend 15 minutes. Take the list that you've got written out, God, this is what I believe you did when I prayed on January the 2nd. God, this is what you did uh, in February uh, 2021. This is what you did, and I thank you. And when you do, you will see faith come alive. And you know what? God will begin right where you started praising God will begin to be active on your behalf. Active on your behalf. 
So let's start using praise and do it all the time. Be thankful in all things, in everything, not for everything. I wouldn't thank a God, thank you, you ran over my mother-in-law with that big vegetable truck. She loved vegetables. No, that's not what I'd be thankful for. God, thank you that that truck driver didn't get killed during that runover. <laughs> you know, you want to be positive, and praise is a positive proclamation. When you come out and say, God, you have heard the railings of the world, that God, they don't need you, but God, I am here to tell you that I am totally dependent upon your mercy because you're merciful. I'm totally dependent, God, upon your grace. God, you are gracious to me. God, I want to thank you that you give me light, that my steps are sure. And you start thanking and praising God. And before you know it, those proclamations of faith, you'll begin to see the fruit of those things start coming into your life. Amen? How many of you are married? You start telling your wife, honey, you're such a good cook. I'm telling you, I, I just love, man, boy, when you fix my favorite meal. Well, what is your favorite meal? Well, be stroganoff unburnt. <clears throat> and now, we have two kinds in our house, burnt and unburnt. So I would say be stroganoff unblackened. And so I would keep saying that. Well, you know what's going to happen one day? I'm going to come through that door, and you know what I'm going to smell? Hopefully be stroganoff unblackened. Why would I do that? Well, because praise has exalted her. Praise has brought her to a place that she will perform and do me good. Amen? You say, well, that's manipulation. Well, however you want to call it. I'm the one that'll be eating beef stroganoff. That's right. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, let's stand at our feet. What time is it? 8.05. Hallelujah. Randy, you had a man get saved last week, last Monday in the outreach. You did. Hallelujah. So, uh, well, thank God, Randy, you did, and that man got saved, and he has eternal life. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the whole world is waiting to hear about Jesus. And you know, if you don't think that they're waiting to hear, just listen to the other side of the story. Who could listen to CNN, and I hate to say it, even Fox News, without being confused? Now, I like Fox News. I don't care for Communist News Network, but whatever it is, they are spewing their web. And so why don't we just start giving the world the gospel? It's called the good news. Called the good news. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to believe in Jesus. Amen? 
You know, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. There is a shelter. There is an ark that God has built. And he calls each and every person into Christ. So tell somebody, I'm, I'm telling you, they're just waiting to hear it. They're waiting to hear it. Amen? Have you ever uh, seen a Franklin Graham on uh, Fox News? He just comes on and says, Hi, would you like to have the peace of God? Do, do you know that God has a plan for you? Well, I want to invite you that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you call upon Jesus at this time because he died and he shed his blood so that you could live without sins. You know, Jesus wants you to go to heaven, and he just talks. He talks less excited than I just talked. But he says, I want you to pray this prayer, then call this number. You know, thousands of people are getting saved like that. You say, well, are they really saved? Are you? Better watch it. Yes, they're saved. I knew a guy that got saved in Billy Graham crusade one time, and he said, you know, I gave my life to Jesus, Billy Graham crusade. I said, really? He said, yeah, about three years ago. He said, I just never realized I was saved until a couple of months ago. I said, what? His name was Drew Farron. He was a golf pro at Shawnee. Him and his family ended up attending our church for years, and he moved several times because of his job. But think of that. Three and a half years later, John, he didn't even know he was saved. But he went right back and made a connection on that day that he prayed with Billy Graham. God's waiting to use you to lead people to Jesus, to Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, let us be filled with gratitude, thanksgiving. Let us be filled with just radical praise, a praise that knows that you are faithful, a praise that knows that you will not fail, a praise that knows you watch over every word to perform it, a praise, God, that declares you will withhold no good thing from us that walk before you in righteousness. Thank you, Father. Bless every family, every household, every individual. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God. See you Sunday morning. We talk about the devil. <laughs>